Welcome to Near Death Experience Podcast. I'm Chaz Hathaway. I'm going to apologize in advance. My kids are listening to or playing some kind of school game in the other room, so you may hear some sounds in the background. I apologize for that. Uh, And let's dive right into Ricky Randolph's near-death experience, and then we can talk about it afterward. This is found on near-death.com, and uh, you can look up Ricky Randolph on that uh, site. So, Ricky says, I was looking forward to this morning as I had planned a hunting trip on the 90-acre farm bordering the Chattahoochee River my family and I lived on. I arrived home and gathered my gear, trying to get as er early a start as I could. My wife had already left for work, as most people do who have normal working hours. I usually called her when I was going hunting, but being in a hurry on this particular morning, I didn't. I had about a two-mile hike to my tree stand and arrived there about 10.15 a.m. My stand was about 20 feet high on the front side facing a thick patch of pines. The back side faced a river below and dropped off to to huge boulders uh, in the river below. I tied off my rifle to be pulled up after my climb to the top and began my upward descent. I reached the top and positioned myself to pull my rifle up Then, without warning, I heard a snap. I would later return to this site many times to reflect on my life. On one visit with a friend, I measured the distance from the top of the stand down to the boulder I landed on, 80 feet. As I began to fall to the river below, I could see the river coming up fast. I knew this was the end for me, and though it was just seconds before impact, It was as though I was in slow motion. So many thoughts raced through my mind. My wife, my daughter, my family, and no one knows where I am. Would I ever be found? Then, darkness. How long this darkness lasted, I didn't know. Then something wonderful happened. I felt myself leaving my body. I was floating a few feet in the air above the river. I looked on my body with mixed feelings. I was bleeding from my mouth, nose, ears, and I saw a trickle of blood underneath me on the boulder. As I was reflecting on the state of my body, I felt a pulling and began to rise very fast. I was traveling at a high rate of speed upward through the atmosphere. As I left the atmosphere, I looked back and could see the earth. Such a beautiful sight. It was so brilliantly lit. As I looked ahead, I could see the planets. I thought to myself, this cannot be. Where is Jesus? I never told anything. Uh, I I was never told anything like this could or would ever happen when I died. Faster and faster, the speed was increasing. I saw other star systems and galaxies as I raced onward. I entered what seemed to be a hole of some sort. It was long and dark. However, around me I saw streaks of light made up of every color in the spectrum. I saw a faint light growing brighter and brighter in the distance up ahead. As I entered the light, I felt it all through my being. I was not afraid anymore. 
Then all of a sudden, I was standing before a massive set of steps. They led up to what seemed to be a bridge or walk of some kind. In the distance, I saw a sight so magnificent and astounding, a city made up of what seemed to be glass or crystal. The lights were of many colors that radiated from it. Never had I seen such a sight. I began walking toward the city in a daze of unbelief. So many questions raced through my mind. I had to know where I was. What was happening to me? I reached the front of the city and saw a double door that looked to be 30 feet or so in height and width. It shined as if it was polished. As I stood there wondering, the doors began to open. I took a step back and looked inside. I could see what appeared to be people walking about on the inside, much like they do in a mall here on earth. These people, though, were dressed very different. For one thing, they all seemed to be dressed in some sort of robes with hoods. I entered through the doors in amazement at what I was seeing. The inside was massive. It seemed to be a, be square in shape, with a balcony all around that led down to different levels. I walked up and looked downward over the balcony. It seemed to go on forever. As I looked up, I saw many passing by me, yet no one seemed to notice me. Then, as one was approaching me, he suddenly stopped. He slowly raised his head, and I could see his face. He appeared to be human in every respect but one, his eyes, no pupils, yet they seemed to be changing colors in colors of blue. His hair was snow white. I wanted to speak, but before I could, he turned and pointed to a long hallway. Though we never spoke, I knew I was going, or I was to go down this hallway. Then, as if nothing had ever happened, he continued on. I knew I had to as well. Something was beckoning me forward. I walked a long, or, yeah, I walked a long walk down to the end of this hallway. I did not turn to the right or the left. I, know, I knew somehow that my questions were about to be answered. Again, I saw before me a massive double door. It seemed to me of some type of metal, whether gold or not, I could not tell. Suddenly the doors opened. I heard a voice, though not as we speak, but from inside of me. It seemed to say, enter. I did as I was told, and the doors suddenly shut behind me. I was afraid for the first time. Total darkness. Total silence. Then after a space of a time, the length of which I could not determine, a bright light began to glow in the room. Brighter and brighter it became. It was somewhat above me and in front of me. I tried to look, but was almost blinded by it. I held my hands up in front of me and could make out the appearance of a figure sitting on some type of seat. Then without warning, it happened. What have you done with your life? The voice penetrated my very being. I had no answer. Then to my right, I saw what seemed to be like a movie, and I was in it. I saw my mother giving me birth. 
my childhood and friends. I saw everything from my youth up. I saw everything I had ever done before my eyes. As my life played out before my very eyes, I tried to think of good things I had done. I was raised in church and had been very active in church functions. Yet as I pondered this, I saw a man in his car that had run out of gas. I had stopped and and given him a lift to a local store about a year ago. I had bought him some gas as he had no money and helped him get on his way. I thought to myself, why am I seeing this? The voice was loud and clear. You took no thought to help this soul and ask nothing in return. These actions are the essence of good. I saw all the people I had hurt, as well as was shown how my actions had set in motion the actions of others. I was stunned. I never thought of my life having an effect on the actions that my friends, family, and others I hadn't met would would take. I saw the results of all I had done. I was not pleased at all. I looked on until other oops I looked on until the events came to an end. Indeed I had done so little with my life. I had been selfish and cruel in so many ways. I was truly sorry I had done so little. Then again, loud and clear, I heard the voice speak again. You must return. I did not want to return, though. I was content to stay and longed to stay even after the things I had seen and heard. I have so many questions, I replied. Things I need to know and don't understand. You must return and help others to change by changing your life. Physicians will want to perform surgery on you. Do not let this happen. If you do, you will never walk again. You will be visited by one who will bring you answers to the questions you have. When I call you, uh, you will come again. You will recover from all that has ever, oops, you will recover from all that has happened to you. If you do these things, look and see what lies ahead. I turned and saw the earth in turmoil, wars and death, terrible sights, cities fell and new ones were built. I saw the United States and a volcano exploding, covering many cities in darkness. I looked on and saw the collapse of our government as we know it, people killing for food and water, horrible sights. I saw what seemed to be giant, a giant explosion in the earth's atmosphere, and much land was destroyed. I looked on and saw a new type of people, younger and of a peaceful nature. The cities were few that were left, but these people seemed to be content. It's time for you to go, I heard again, but I wanted to see more. Then the doors opened and I felt myself almost being carried down the hallway. I passed through the doors of the city and felt myself shooting through this hole I had come through. Faster I went, unable to stop. I entered the atmosphere of the earth and saw the rivers below. I saw my body still lying there motionless. Then it was like an electric shock, so tremendous I felt my body jump. I opened my eyes and saw the trees above and the skyline. Then, oh, the pain. I was struggling for every breath, choking on my own blood. I managed to roll onto my stomach. 
The pain was all I could bear. I looked at the sky and saw the sun was lower than I remembered. I looked at my watch. It was 5.30. My only thoughts were how I could get help. I noticed my rifle was not far from me, still attached to the rope I had tied around my waist. I began pulling it toward me. I managed to grab hold of the barrel and pulled it up to me. I fired a shot about every ten minutes, hoping someone would come. It was getting late, and I knew I would not make it much longer. So I began crawling on my stomach, pulling myself with the stock of my rifle. I managed to crawl up a trail that ran down to the river. As I crawled and crawled, the, ba- the pain was so great that I passed out many times. Through thick brush and briar patches, I crawled. I wanted to get up. I was so tired and in so much pain. I knew, though, I had to make it at least where I could be found. I hoped. I looked out in front of me and saw the road I lived on through the trees. I could hear sounds in the distance. Yes, thank you, God, I thought to myself. I finally found myself at the road and began a feeble cry for help. I was too exhausted, though, and just lay there on the road. My father-in-law was returning from work and found me lying in the road. It's all right, I heard him say. Help is on the way. That was the last I remember until I saw the lights inside the ER. A doctor stood at my feet. Can you feel this? He said. Feel what? I asked. He had been sticking my feet and legs. I was paralyzed. We cannot help you here, son, he said. We're sending you by ambulance to a hospital that can handle your injuries. Whether from the pain or medication, I was out like a light. The next afternoon, I awoke to find two doctors standing at the foot of my hospital bed. They introduced themselves as my attending physicians and proceeded to explain to me that I must undergo surgery at once. The bones in my back were that were broken were putting pressure on my spine nerve causing paralysis then i heard the warning i had heard before do not let them perform surgery or you will never walk again i understood completely but i knew they would not i told them i must see my wife and daughter first my wife arrived with my daughter shortly after the doctor's visit i told her what they had said she advised me that I must realize they knew what they were doing, or they, they knew that they were doing what was necessary to help me. I did not know how to tell her what I had experienced. I tried to tell her it was my belief that I should not be operated on. Although she disagreed, she honored my wishes. When the doctors returned and I told them of my decisions, of my decision, they were very upset. I listened to lecture after lecture. Okay, one of them said, if you never walk or never want to walk again, that's up to you. Then they left. That night I lay upon my bed and wept sorely. Was I insane? What was I doing? A light began to fill my room. You will be well, I heard a voice say. Then then it was gone. I composed myself and dozed off to sleep. Days turned into weeks, weeks into months. Then one morning, I felt a tingling in my feet. 
I was overcome with joy. I told the nurse I wanted to get up and walk. She stared at me and said, Well, we'll see. We'll see. I knew I was healed without a doubt. The nurse put a call to, in to my doctor, and the next morning he stopped by. So you think you can walk? He said. Yes, I replied. Well, we will see. A few hours later, I was taken down to the physical therapy room. They carried me down and raised me up to a vertical position. The nurse helped me in front of a set of parallel bars. I gripped the bars and placed my feet firmly on the floor. One step, two steps. Oh my, he's walking, the nurse said to the nurse who had, been, who had brought me down. The next few days were hard. I took many trips to physical therapy and had numerous x-rays done for my doctor's orders. My wife and family were all amazed, yet I knew, I had been told, the rest had, had to be true as well. My doctor was more amazed when he found no bones pressing on my spinal nerve. I use his quote, This is not normal. I, it seems a higher power has done for you what we were going to try and correct with surgery. I have never seen anything like this before. End quote. Since that day, my life has changed and I have been able to help others in ways I've never dreamed or that I never dreamed. I wanted to share this with all, as it is what has led me onward in my quest for truth. That is the end of the experience by Ricky Randolph. As you can see, there are many of the uh, fundamentals in, in this story, many of them. I mean, he experienced uh, uh, floating from his body. Let's see. Let me go back. Um, Oh, first he had darkness. He said, darkness, how long this darkness lasted, I don't know. Then something wonderful happened. I felt myself leaving my body and, uh, and then flying off into space across galaxies and then uh, into a dark hole. Makes you wonder if it's like a black hole or something, you know. What is that? You know, but, uh, but it... it was a tunnel of sorts that he rushed through and followed to until there was a light that uh, led to a beautiful city that turned out to be a beautiful city with an incredible building filled with knowledge and uh, and these people these robed people I this is a new theme that only having started this podcast I'm seeing um, recur I've heard of some before, but I've, I've never come across it so recurringly or noticed the recurrence of these uh, um, wearing these white robes with hoods. And he, here's an aspect uh, that I hadn't heard before. The, the man in there had no pupils. What is, what is that? You know, what does that mean? And yet it apparently didn't scare him um, or anything. It sounded like it was very beautiful, but uh, interesting. And then... Uh, this is another aspect that uh, happens often, but that we haven't really touched on, and that is seeing future events. Now, I will give a disclaimer, a couple of them. One, that uh, most of the people who come back say these are probable events if things don't change. These are events that could happen 
if we don't change. Probably will, unless we make some choices um, differently than we're doing. And often, you know, you see the collapse of the government. That's a very common one. Then, of course, natural disasters and so forth. Wars. I mean, these are very biblical-sounding kind of events. And another disclaimer, but another disclaimer I give about these, um, yeah, so that first disclaimer is that they're probable, not absolute, um, for most people, uh, as they are told by their guides and so forth. The second uh, um, disclaimer I give is that one thing that seems to be uh, a thing is the, their sense of time. So often people will see these things and think that this is very near future. They'll think this is in the next 10 years. And yet 30 years will pass by and it hasn't happened yet. 40, 50, and sometimes even more. But uh, eventually most of them see things start to happen. They're like, oh, there it is. I thought it was going to be in the next couple of years. And, and as it turns out, it was going to be in 50 years. So... Um, their sense of timing is, is just not there. And I think that makes sense to me because on the other side, there's a timelessness about it. And, and even being able to gauge time, they say, I don't know if I was there a few seconds or if I was there for a thousand years. I really couldn't tell. I mean, how does one confuse that? And yet they do because there is some kind of sense of timelessness about it, which in my mind possibly explains the, uh, timing of these things. This, um, this guy, he doesn't really give a time frame for when these things are to happen. He does mention the USA. He mentions uh, um, a volcano. Um, these don't give much of a time frame, but it does place it in... Um, I don't know, probably the next few hundred years. <laughs> there's, there's a lot of possible times um, that that could be. Uh, cities covered in darkness and, and uh, so forth. But this uh, sounds very apocalyptic too, which is consistent with many other, uh, both near-death experiences, many people's mystical experiences, even biblical uh, prophecy and so forth. And uh, religious traditions have, these are, are fairly... Uh, um, almost normal kinds of prophecies, which <clears throat> indicates the, uh, to me, um, the increased likeliness of their occurring uh, based on our choices. So, then we have this prophecy, and then he, he's one who experiences the zoom back to his body. Some people just, bam, they're in their body and, and uh, in pain. He kind of rushes back in what sounds like only a few inst you know, moments and so forth, but he, he sucked right back through um, time and space into his body again. And, and of course, he is told um, that he will be healed. This is another thing that seems to come up often, is miraculous healings following near-death experiences. Not instant. In fact, many of them take years. Even, I, I've heard of some that have taken nearly a decade to get to uh, a really um, independent life again. <laughs> because think about it, something that pretty much killed you, but you were gratefully brought back, um, is probably going to be 
a big enough injury that many such persons will um, take years, if not a lifetime, to recover. Some, um, Jeff Olson uh, comes to mind, lost limbs, I mean, lost a leg. I mean, he's, he, he didn't get that leg back, but his, his healing beyond that fact was quite miraculous, and, and sometime we'll have to share his story because it's remarkable. So we will now wrap things up and say once again, thank you so much for listening. Thank you.